take some time to remember. And as we are in the book of Judges, it is uh, fitting that uh, we have this passage before us uh, this morning. As uh, we, we just see here that problems happen when we forget. I mean, uh, just uh, think, Caden, uh, I was going to pick on Jordan, but she's leaving, so Caden and I'm here yet. You know, how many problems did you have when you went to go fill out that final exam maybe this past week and you forgot the answer? Yeah, it doesn't happen to me, huh? Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you've ever been there, you're like, oh. You know, or, or you know, others of us, we, we call them senior moments where you kind of, you just forget. And, and I, I, yeah, I do that. You know, with that, problems happen when we forget. When we forget our priorities in life, problems will ensue later on. When we start to major on the minor things and minor on majors, problems will happen. As a nation, we stop to remember this week. Remember the sacrifice of those that Freedom isn't necessarily free. Freedom doesn't mean we just get to do whatever we want. Freedom comes at a cost. In Judges, we're going to see a cycle that, that will happen. And, and it's going to uh, start as we see in Judges 3, uh, 5, and 6, and 7. It says in verse 7, the Israelites said this. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served other gods. Gods and the Asherahs. See, what, what is the issue here is they did evil. What is the evil that they did? It wasn't necessarily an action at first. The evilness that they did was they forgot. That was the first issue they had. It wasn't necessarily they went out and did something awful. They forgot. They forgot who they were. And they forgot who God was. And I think that's a good reminder for us today. As we start on this journey through the book of Judges, as we start, we must realize it is a time of remembrance. We wouldn't necessarily equate evilness with forgetfulness. But as the people of God, when we forget who God has called us to be, we start to do evil in the eyes of God. See, in the book of Joshua, in one of the devotions this week, and those of you online, you Pick those up uh, on our website. One of the things is uh, when Joshua brought the nation into the promised land, he had the 12 tribes, a, a leader from each of the tribes. He had the 12 tribes take a stone from the middle of the Jordan River and set it up as a place of memorial, remembrance, so they would not forget. And yet, they did. The same is true for me and for you. We are easy and we are quick 
to forget. And then we have problems. Because see, problems happen when we forget. Problems happen when things don't go the way we were meant to go. And in the book of Judges, you're going to see a cycle. You're going to see a path. And it all starts with the people either forgot or they did evil in the eyes of God. And, and so he has to punish them. He gives them justice. He disciplines them. Discipline is a better word than punishment. He disciplines them because he loves them. He disciplines them because he loves them. And here we read what will become a norm. And so because of the evilness, the forgetfulness, the anger of the Lord, verse 8, burned against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishana, or however you say that, king of Aram, to whom the Israelites were subjected for eight years. See, God, there will always be a cost and a price to pay. The question really is, is whether or not you pay it or somebody else. It's kind of how life has been. That's how scripture is. Starting from the beginning until the end. So they go into this uh, being subjects to someone else. Problems of their own making. And then as we'll come out again and again in this book, we read words like, Verse 9, but when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. And it's interesting, but this point is true. God hears people crying out. Now, this isn't a cry out of repentance. This is just a cry out of pain, of sorrow, of this isn't how life is supposed to be. There's nothing in this text or in the rest of Judges to say the nation of Israel, or really these are clans for the most part. Okay? This isn't necessarily the whole nation was subjected by this king, but maybe certain tribes. It, this isn't one of those where they call out and say, oh, we have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. Please rescue us. They're just saying, this hurts. Who's crying out in our world today? See, biblical justice would be one of those, well, if they're crying out and it's because it's their own issue, they've got what they deserve. That would kind of be justice. But we're starting to see even early on in the book of Judges, God's justice isn't justice as we understand. It is justice married with mercy. Because God hears his people cry. They deserved what they got. They forgot. And in the book of Deuteronomy, and Numbers, and Exodus, God says, if you do this, I will do this. There was no uh, debating whether or not it was deserved. They forgot. God said, okay, you forget, I will remember. They aren't even asking here necessarily to be saved. Who in our world is crying out? Who in our world is saying this hurts? Who in our world says life isn't fair right now? Maybe 
Lord will hear their cry. Maybe he is hearing their cry. The book of Judges is some that said, and I, I would tend to agree, is a, another time of exodus moments in the nation of Israel. If you are an Israelite reading your history, you will understand the, the background behind the words, and they cried out to the Lord. Or the Lord heard their cry. And it is in Egypt. For because of something not of their own doing, they were enslaved, cried out. I find some hope in this today. I don't always have to cry out with true repentance before I'm heard. Sometimes I just need to cry out. And the Lord hears. And he goes on, he doesn't just hear, but the Lord, they cried out and he raised up for them a deliverer. The Lord delivers. We've sung that. We know that as, as New Testament believers, that, that when people cry out, the Lord delivers. The Lord is here today to say, I can deliver you again and again, even if you don't deserve to be delivered. We call it grace. We call it mercy. We call it the character of God. But that's not just a New Testament idea. It's tucked within every page of Scripture. Though we forget, or though we sin, though we deserve discipline and punishment and justice for our sins, when we cry out to the Lord, He will deliver. You can take that to the bank. That is the promises of God. You will sin. You will forget. Paul says, even in our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. It's guaranteed. The Lord delivers. So is there a question of what uh, will the Lord deliver? The question is, who will God use to deliver? And maybe how will God deliver? But who will God use to deliver? Who are the ones that are qualified for God to say, that's you? And we're going to see examples in the book of Judges. We get three this morning. Three examples of, of, of leaders that God raises up, the pattern of the nation forgets, the tribe forgets, they sin. They get disciplined. They cry out. The Lord raises up. And the first one we come to is, is to some extent, if you look at the book as a whole, is the ideal one. This is almost the perfect judge besides the Lord himself. In the line of Moses and Joshua, the next one would be this character known as Othniel. Which is interesting because if you read uh, 7 through 11, we learn very little about this God. Other than God uses the faith. Othniel is faithful before the Lord. Hey, we read Othniel earlier in the book of Judges, as he's the one who goes up and, and takes a hillside. He, he's a military person. He would be the one most of us would maybe pick. There's only one thing maybe wrong or two things wrong with him. One, he has an older brother. 
Caleb. And in Israelite folklore, Caleb is like, he, he is the man. You got Joshua and you got Caleb. The only two people who experienced God in the wilderness that are now in the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, unlike Moses, saw everything that happened during the time of Moses, and yet still get to experience the fulfillment of God's promises. Talk about the pretty amazing God. But if we understand biblical history and, and age correctly, when the promised land starts, Caleb is maybe 80 years old. This is even beyond that. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a venture and say, Omnia's no spring chicken. He's probably what we would call, or I like to call, the senior saints. Those with experience. But that isn't that who you would want? You would want someone with experience. But yet, we tend to think, even in our day and age, that, that there's something called retirement that God actually allows you to retire. I would love to submit to you the book of Judges where there's no such thing as retirement in the eyes of God. There's just a change of focus. The faithfulness of God doesn't mean you ever get to say, I've already put in my time. You may have to put your time in somewhere else. And there is great debate among some on whether or not Caleb and Othniel and his family are true Israelites. They may have been of Gentile descent, but realize who God was in the wilderness and say, we want to be a part of that. And they're always tied with the tribe of Judah, but these, this tribe of Kenaz, son of Kenaz, wasn't in the line of Israel to begin with. But he's faithful. If you want to know, will God use you, then what you need to focus on is not so much of being used by God, but being faithful to God. That's someone he will use. And so we read that God uses Othniel, son of Enes, and the land had peace for 40 years. But again, the Israelites were evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so God uses somebody else. And this reminds us in Ehud that God uses the unexpected. Ehud is a Benjamin from the tribe of Benjamin, a Benjaminite. The name Benjamin means son of my right hand. Now what's interesting about Ehud? He's not a right-handed son of a man named son of my right hand. He's left-handed. Now, maybe that was because God created him left-handed. But I can probably guess, you can probably guess what they tried to do to Ehud that in our country we tried to do to many left-handers many years ago. You force him to be right-handed. How many left-handed people are here today? From Jeff, myself, Leland, Ron Butter, so the good ones. Ron Hayden, are you out there? Yeah, okay, Ron Hayden. Those of you online, go ahead, just, if you're willing, put your hand up, same me. You know? The good one, right? Right, Leland? Something like that. You realize us left-handed people live shorter lives but are more accident prone. And that's all because we live in a right-handed world. I'm serious. 
Have you, have you realized how, you know, we have to use our right hand a whole lot more? Just think of shifting your car. For you right-handed people, you've just always been natural at that. Us left-handed, we would probably prefer it on the other side. We've adapted. Think of scissors. They're made for you right-handed people. And, and they make left-handed scissors. And after so long, we left-handers, we can't use the left-handed scissors. Why? Because it doesn't feel right. There's nothing jacking us <laughs> as we do it. Now, Jeff has great penmanship, but I grew up in a time where uh, with, when you wrote in school, I erased everything as I went by. And it ended up right here. The problem is, Strader Boys, I couldn't read whatever I wrote when it came test time. You know? But what we do, the ancient world was very similar. It was a right-handed world. I had Josiah's uh, baseball game. Uh, was remarking, I think, to Sue, who uh, was there, that um, my family is odd in many ways. One of the major ways we're odd is in my immediate family, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, and myself, all five of us are left-handed, 100%. And I don't have a left-handed kid, if, I mean, there's not a left-handed one in, in my group. <laughs> supposed to be. And so he dismisses everything. 
and Ehud goes in, and the king rose to hear the message. Ehud reaches his left hand to his right side, he picks up a, a spear, and he stabs the guy and frees Israel. And he gets up without anybody knowing. The unexpected. God uses the unexpected. I'm not saying, nor do I think the book of Judges is saying the way he did it would maybe have been God's way. But God can use even unexpected people who do things in unexpected and untailored and maybe even uncool ways to bring about his deliverance. And so the land had peace for 80 years. And then we read what some would call a minor judge. This guy who uh, is known as Shamgar, verse 31, verse 31, where we don't know much about what went on other than he takes out 600 Philistines with a weapon. And here, I believe, we see God uses the unqualified, quote, unquote. Because what we can try to figure out about this Shamgar, he's a son of Enoch. He's not an Israelite. He is not one of God's chosen people. He probably came from the area of Egypt. See, there's debate over Othniel, but we can say Othniel and his family, they, they submitted to who the Lord was. They understand who God was, and they got it. The Shamgar, he's not supposed to be a part of God's plan. He's, quote-unquote, the unqualified. Yet God uses the unqualified to save his people. To save the people who cry out to him. So which of the three are you? Because really, we're all one of these three. You're either faithful, or you're the unexpected, or you're the unqualified. The reality is, God is calling you, me, us. To respond to those who are crying out in the world. You don't have to be perfect. Yet, many of us would say, maybe I'm, I'm kind of like Othniel. I've been faithful, but, but you know what? I'm not an ideal. I, I'm not the ideal person for God. So maybe God will just use somebody else. And yet, what we're starting to see is that people are crying out in the world, and I think God is saying, I want to use you. Say, but I can't. I'm not sure. Well, here's the truth of all of Judges. Is that God's call comes with God's power. We read in Othniel, and we're going to read throughout, and some of us are going to get it, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. And so they did. The Spirit does the calling. The Spirit does the enabling. You can't do it. That's part of the point. And some of you will say, well, I want to make sure that I know what's going to happen. I want guaranteed success. 
I'm not sure God will call me there because I'm not sure it's going to work. None of us want to fail. I understand. The story of Ehud is, maybe one of the examples of Ehud is, he goes to do something with no guarantee that he's actually going to do the job. I mean, Othniel, there's a good chance he's going to do the job. He's already conquered one. He has a track record. He, he has all those rewards. He has all the athletes. He has a history to say, I've done this, this, and this. What's wrong with that? That's, that's the kind of judges and deliverers we want, which gives the rest of us an excuse to say, well, that's not me because I haven't done this, 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 or this. But just somebody else. And I think what God is saying is the world isn't filled with Othniels necessarily. The world has Othniels, and the world has Ehuds. Where we must go in the calling of God without knowing whether the success of God is going to follow, but we're going to try to be faithful to God in the process. And then some of you are going, I'm not even the unexpected. I'm completely unqualified. And God says, well, great, because I use those too. And maybe that should help us as we realize as we try to be faithful to God, that God can use anybody God wants to use. If he can use a Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, then he can use a you or me, or maybe even someone who definitely doesn't seem to get who God is. The question, the statement is, God is calling you, me, us. Are you going to respond? See, the beauty of Pentecost, this is uh, the second Sunday in Pentecost, or maybe the first Sunday in Pentecost, if you're Pentecost, and I don't want to get stuck in my own head, where, where we celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit has come upon everyone who's called out and been saved, that we are all called to something. The question is, will you respond? Will you respond to the calling of God to sin? Whether you are here or those of you watching this online, whether you're watching us live on Sunday or maybe uh, after the fact on Monday or Friday, whatever it may be, God is calling you to something. Are you going to how are you going to respond? You say, but but I, I can't do it. Baloney. You have, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, there's none of this, I can't do it. Just be honest with yourself and with us and with the Lord and say, I won't do it. Because that's the only other choice you have. The early church didn't sit there and go, I wonder if we can do this. They said, the Holy Spirit has done this, we will do this. And maybe what we need this Memorial Day weekend is to stop and to remember that we have forgotten who we are and whose we are. And so therefore, we cannot and will not respond to call. Some of you say, but I used to have more energy. Yes. But God is calling you to something today. Some of you young ones, you say, but I'm not old enough. And I would say, alongside of the Apostle Paul, who said, show them an example in your youth, in life, liberty, faith, purity. Who 
Cooper. This is from Ivan Cooper. I am so impressed with some of the things you do. He may not even know it, but both we and youth, we do a, the Bible app, and we were connected there. We share devotions. And, and Cooper, for the past three weeks, so we've assigned nothing. You have been doing a Bible reading plan every single week. And you've completed every one of those you've started. And you may think it's odd that I even know that. Showing an example in his youth what it means to respond to the call of God. Keep it up. Hoping you've made it. You're at, you're at Home Depot. You're going to Hobart's. Don't forget who God has called you to be. And you will impact a world, someone's world. You have brought Bryant and Timothy to our, our church in youth group. We are a different church because of that. Don't forget it. Jordan, you're heading to camp. Right? And you're heading there because part of it is just a whole lot of fun. Part of it is you don't have to be with your sister. Part of it is, is you don't have to be with mom and dad for a little bit. All right? But God has also called you there for a special purpose, for just as this, but you're also a reminder to us as a church that when we invest in you, we invest in others. And there's others. Where's God calling you? Yes, Judy, God's not calling you to go work alongside Jordan at camp. And, you, and to that you say amen, right? But God is calling Judy and all of us for something. The question is, will you respond? So this Memorial Day weekend, I ask that you stop and you remember. Remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can experience the freedom we have. But I also ask you to stop and to remember who you are in Christ. And then I ask that you listen. Who's crying out? And then listen to the Spirit saying, maybe that's your time to rise up, to deliver, to bring them peace that can be found uh, both today and also ultimately in Christ because he will use you and me. Father God, we thank you for this time, for this challenge, for this reminder to stop, to remember, to know who we are, and also to know who you are, to reflect upon your faithfulness, your promises that are good, even today. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to respond to your call in whatever way, shape, and form. For some hearing my voice, it's a call to faith. For others, it's a call to be a member of this church. For others, it's a call to baptism. For others, it's a call into a specific career, even leading of churches. You don't just call the faithful, you call the unexpected. And you call the time to be unqualified. 
for you will empower through your spirit those who will respond. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you this day, and we ask that you would help us to have the faith of our fathers in our faith, of the early church, of the Othnians, of the Joshua's, of the Moses's, of the Noah's, as we seek to live out your promises to our world this day. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you will respond uh, this day. We're going to sing uh, a hymn of the faith God.